Good morning and welcome. So glad that you would make time to be with us on this July morning and afternoon uh, as we've gathered together to worship Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Craig. I'm the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us. If you are a guest with us, I'd appreciate it. If you would fill out one of those cards that Pastor Adam's already mentioned to you, just like to drop you a letter in the mail this week and let you know how much we appreciate having you with us. If you have your Bible, it's going to be in the book of Acts chapter 22 in just a few minutes. Acts chapter 22. While you're turning there, let me just mention a couple of things. Um, coming up in several weeks, we have parent-child dedication. You might not know what that is, so let me explain it. It's an opportunity uh, for you who have children. If you uh, would like to just sort of commit yourself and your family to being to commit yourself to raising your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, uh, to raising them up in a Christian home, we're going to have a special service set aside to dedicate those kids. Now, some of you have recently had babies, and you want to do that with your babies. Um, but some of you maybe came to faith later in life, and you've got toddlers or maybe elementary school children, whatever it is, that you really just want to say publicly that as for you and your household, you're going to serve the Lord together. Uh, we're going to be, you're invited to be a part of that. So we will do that. There's a Sunday afternoon set aside in August. It's going to be different than what we've done in the past. It's going to be a very special service, 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. If you've got any interest in that, pay attention to the emails that come out. It's got information about it so that you can register for that. If you have questions, go ahead and register. Indicate that in the registration. Let us know. We'll follow up with you. A couple other things. Just uh, We had 25 kids that went off to camp last week, so we appreciate the way that you support our children, uh, elementary school kids who were going last week. Um, it's important that we talk about that and celebrate it because with your tithes and offerings, uh, some of your tithes and offerings each week go to support things like children's ministry and student ministry. And so when you give to your church, you're actually giving to help kids go to camp. And so we had uh, 25 elementary school kiddos, kiddos, elementary, whatever, kids that went to camp last week. And tomorrow there's, um, including adults and, and kids, I think there's like 77 or 78 teenagers and uh, adult chaperones who are leaving in the morning going to infuge up at North Greenville, so y'all pray for me. Uh, the rest of them will be fine, but y'all pray for me. I'm going with them, and all of your prayers would be greatly appreciated. No, it's a wonderful week, uh, so please pray for that, and thank you, because through your tithes and offerings, you help to make that possible for kids to get away and have some special time each summer to focus on the things the Lord would have for them without the distractions of the rest of the world. All right, having said that, we're in Acts chapter 22. I'm going to read to you verses 22 through 29. But we're going to pick up a little bit from Acts chapter 23 as well. Let me set the stage for you before I have you stand up. If you'll recall, Paul is in Jerusalem. He's been in the temple. Um, things go kind of south. They drag him out of the temple. They begin beating him. He gets arrested by the Roman guards, right? Um, and uh, uh, so they arrest him. And then he says, hey, can I speak? And so here he is in chains after having been beaten, arrested. He stands up and he speaks. And the Bible says that everything's going just fine until we get to chapter 22, verse 21. And Paul says, and he said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And that's where we are. Things turn south when Paul begins to suggest that God has a special plan, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. So if you would stand with me in honor of God's word, and we're going to read a little bit about Paul's account here in Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 22. Here now, for this is the word of the Lord. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. By the way, examined by flogging means they should beat him until they got the information out of him that he desired. 
Verse 25. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So, so those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would show us our opportunities. Show us how we may be open to our divine appointments that you have in store for us. Give us hearts and minds that are willing to be obedient. We trust you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Appointments. I love to make appointments. I keep a calendar. I keep a steady calendar. I plan my calendar out as far in advance as I can. Almost all of my Christmas events are already planned. Every single one of them. As a matter of fact, uh, all of the church's Christmas events, 99% of them are already set in something close to stone. We will finalize all of those plans no later than early October so that they can all be printed out. I even shared with y'all last Sunday, I believe, that we've got sermon plans all the way out into Easter of next year. I can tell you that what we're going to be preaching from now until Easter, I love to schedule things. Now, I don't really like appointments so much because I'm super organized. I wish I was. I'm, I'm not. There are two things in my life that are organized. Basically, it's my calendar and my library. Everything else is an absolute chaos. But the reason that I enjoy these schedules is because I like to be in control. Like, if we can just be honest about it, I really love to be in control of my life. When it comes to my day, I don't really like surprises. I, I like to wake up in the morning and things go a certain particular kind of way. I like to know if something's going to be coming up. I want to know what I'm having for lunch that day. If I can, I'd love to know when I wake up what I'm going to eat for dinner that night. I just like to know because I love to be in control, and I don't like it when y'all mess it up. Right? So if somebody will call me at like 10.30. Would you like to get lunch today? And if you've ever done this to me, you'll hear me on the phone going, uh, uh, uh. I appreciate when you send a text message because I can try and come up with a good reason for why I can't do that. Um, that's not true. But you'll hear me if you call me and I begin stuttering and stammering. And here's the real issue. If I already have things scheduled, then it's just... It's just hard for me to step away from that. You know, if I brought lunch from home and you call and want to take me for a steak, you might can convince me, but otherwise I'm telling you, I'm probably just going to eat the leftover taco. I mean, we're just going to keep moving forward. I, but that's because I want to be in control. And y'all aren't that much better than me. We like to be in control. But when it comes to our divine appointments, one thing is amazingly clear. Our divine appointments are not our appointments. They are God's appointments for us. And oftentimes, they don't fit into our nice to-do lists or our neat schedules. They, they don't make it onto our calendars. Because God's the one in control of those events. And if we are going to be the kind of people who are open to divine appointments, one thing is incredibly clear. We have to give up control. The old saying is that you can let go and let God. I don't really like that saying a whole lot, but to some degree it's got some truth when we think about allowing the Lord to create divine appointments in our lives. Are you ready for a divine appointment? Paul found one right here, but Paul found it because he was ready to give up control. 
And if you're ready to give up control in your life, you may very well just experience the sorts of divine appointments that Paul was able to find in his life. Of course, some of you are going, I really don't want that one, which gets us to a really good story, a really good tale of exactly what it is that's going on in Paul's life and how we can learn from in this particular passage. So if you'll see this morning, I believe there are three things that we can take away from this, from Paul's experience right here in Jerusalem to help us to be more ready to appreciate and accept our divine appointments. The first thing that we got to be willing to do, that you've got to be willing to do, if you're going to be open to God invading your life and giving you some of these divine opportunities, is you got to get over yourself. You've got to get over yourself. Imagine if Paul said, whoa, whoa, hold on now. God, i got all kinds of things I can do for you, that I will do for you, that I'm able to do for you. But this whole idea that I'm going to somehow be arrested, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be shipwrecked, I'm going to be sort of homeless. God, I'm not up for that. Lord, I was trained at the feet of Gamaliel, in case you forgot. I have it together. I can do all these things. Paul might have even said, I can do all things through Paul who strengthens me. And if Jesus was to jump on board, that will be just fine. But God has a different plan for Paul's life. The reality is God may have a different plan for your life. But for you to experience that plan in your life, you're going to have to get over yourself. Listen, you're not too good to serve in God's kingdom. You're not too good to serve in God's kingdom. I, I, I started to sort of capitalize and underline and circle that word serve. Because I want to make sure that we emphasize the idea of service. There is nothing in God's kingdom that is below you or me. We have these opportunities and responsibilities. Paul is being beaten and is on the verge of being flogged, but he's still looking for ways to preach. Some of y'all are like, God, I'm ready to lead in your kingdom. God, I'm, I'm ready to teach in your kingdom. God, if you'll give me a position, I'm ready to own that position in your kingdom. How many of us sign up and say, Lord God, if you want me to be beaten, just go ahead and send me over? God, I'm willing to sweep the floor if that's what you would have me to do. God, if you need me to clean the toilets, then Lord, that's exactly where I'll be. Listen, if you're too good to sweep a floor, you're not ready to serve in God's kingdom. You're not. you got to get over yourself. Paul was this great, respected rabbi, and when he began pursuing God's call in his life, following divine, God's divine appointments... Paul was no longer the man leading the mobs against people, followers of the way. Instead, it was Paul who was being mobbed against. It was Paul who was being led against. It was Paul who was in the crosshairs of these religious leaders. Get over yourself. It doesn't really matter who you are. The greatest opportunities that you have is who God is and what he can use you to accomplish. So get over yourself. Also this morning, not only are you not too good to serve in God's kingdom, you need to be willing to be used up for God's glory. To be used up. Are you willing for the Lord to just use you and for you to not get the glory, for you to not get the praise? Are you willing for God to get all of that? Listen, serving the Lord faithfully will often be an inconvenience. How many of y'all have experienced that, that you're trying to honor the Lord with your life and you find out that somewhere along the way that doing the things that God would have you to do doesn't fit within your schedule? It doesn't fit within your expectation. It didn't fit within your phone call that you expected to get today because God had a different plan for you than you had. That plan might be a temporary plan. It might be a long-term plan. But God had something different in store. Y'all, we need to be willing to be used up 
for God's glory. There was an old saying that allegedly came from Charles Spurgeon. It said, I would rather be, be uh, uh, burnt out than rust out. You know, too many of us are sitting around rusting out in God's kingdom because we're not making ourselves open and available for God to use us in his kingdom. Some of you aren't being used, not because you don't have abilities or because you don't have uh, chances to do so, but simply because you've not cleared enough margin in your life to allow the Lord to use you. You are working diligently to make sure that you're so busy that there's no time for God to do something with you. Or perhaps you're even as bad or worse than me, that you've already scheduled your life out and you just can't go any further. Angela and I and, uh, and, and Aubrey actually were off on a hike the other day. She was only child for 24 hours. It was, it was like her dream come true. And so uh, there was this uh, young lady hiking behind us, and she had her dog. It was an inferior dog. Um, Y'all know the world's greatest dog. It's mine, of course. But uh, she had a, a nice dog. There was nothing wrong with him necessarily. It just wasn't Toby. And, um, but she's speaking with somebody behind us, and she's telling them all about her dog and all about her major in college. And... Um, and then she said, you know, I plan to graduate with such and so degree, and then I might go on and get a master's degree. Oh, okay. And this is my dog, and this is his name. And, and uh, in two years, I plan to get another dog. And, in, and then in another three years, I'm going to get a Belgian Malinois. And these are the, th these are the names that my dogs are going to have. This young girl has planned out her entire life. She's already gone all the way from this is my dog to this is the next dog in its name, and that's the next dog in its name. And these are the three degrees I plan to have accomplished in that period of time. The guy, the guy that she was speaking to he said, well, I guess you got it all figured out, don't you? And I just had to laugh because she's, I guess, 20, 20 or 21 years old. And what I knew is that she might end up with all those things, but strong chances are her life's not going to turn out anything like she expected. That all the things that I would planned at 21 or 22, God just tend to have a few different plans along the way. I can't always get in to get all of those things done. We need to be willing for God to sort of change our plans and then to use us up. To use us for his glory. Man, what a privilege it is to know that God has made use of me. Made use of me. Made use of my calendar. Made use of my checkbook. What would it look like if I made myself available? Listen, for me to do that, i got to get over myself. i got to stop believing that Craig Thompson is God's gift to the world. Instead, to remember that God's gift to Craig Thompson is his grace and his love and his mercy. And that God's gift to the world is that he would use his grace and his love and his mercy and the giftedness within his church to impact the church and to impact the world. Get over yourself. The second thing this morning is you've got to be willing to acknowledge God's sovereignty. Acknowledge God's sovereignty. Now, listen, I find a lot of people that are willing to speak about God's sovereignty in a big kind of way, like God's sovereign over all the world, but somehow or other when it begins to get really personal and like God's sovereign over human beings, that gets a little bit awkward because they don't want to think about this idea that God is in total control of them as well. Like, I'm okay with God being in control of the sun and the moon, but somehow or other, God can be in control of the sun and the moon and all the things the world has around it. But if you get all the way down to Craig Thompson's life, well, that's, that's too far. Folks, let me tell you something. We've got to be willing to acknowledge God's sovereignty in all things and all the world around us if we're going to experience and encounter the divine appointments that God has for us. See, God is sovereign over all of creation. Yes, the sun, the moon, and the stars, but that creation includes you. God is sovereign over you as well. Now, we see this in Paul's life right here. Now, again, Paul's arrested. 
He gives a speech. Everything goes okay. Then as soon as he says Gentiles, the world turns against him again. And what happens? They take him away. They throw him into the barracks. They, they spread him out, and they're fixing to beat him. Now, keep in mind that in the, Roman, in the world of the Roman Empire, much of the Roman Empire was made up of people who were not actually Roman citizens. They may have been slaves. They may have been citizens of another country. And so there was allowances in Roman law for people to be beaten and flogged uh, for basically no good reason. But if you were a Roman citizen, there was no allowance for that. If you were a Roman citizen, you had particular rights. And so the Bible tells us that Paul is in this particular place. He's being stretched out to be flogged, that is to be beaten until they get the confession out of him they're looking for. And as they're stretching him out, Paul says, hey, can you do this to a Roman citizen? The centurion's like, whoa, 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 I'm not, I'm not on the hook for this one. So he runs to the tribune. He says, hey, did you know this guy's a Roman citizen? And the tribune runs in and goes, who, who, who do you think you are? I mean, you're just some crackpot that's come in here. Everything's kind of crazy. You're a prisoner. I paid a great sum of money for this citizenship that I have. And now you're going to come in here and you're going to say these things to my soldiers. Who do you think you are? And Paul says, I, I was born as a Roman citizen. Well, the Bible goes on to say that everybody at this point is terrified. We have made a terrible mistake. And they know that they are in grave jeopardy because they have broken the law. Tell me this. What did Paul do to earn or deserve that Roman citizenship? Absolutely nothing. Do you understand? We've got a picture here of legalism and we've got a picture of grace and sovereignty being exposed to us. This one walks in and says, look who I am. And Paul says, i got nothing to tell you except where I was born. Where did, did you pick where you were going to be born? Tell me, when did you choose who would give birth to you or the place where you would be born or the place where you would live? You had no control over that. When we begin to think about God's sovereignty in the world around us, we have to acknowledge that there's so much of our world that we have absolutely no control over. You didn't choose where you would be born. You didn't choose for God's Holy Spirit to work in your heart. You didn't choose your salvation. You didn't call Lord up one day and say, you should send Jesus Christ to die on the cross for the sins of the world. That was God's sovereign decision because it was God's will that he would save many from their sins. That is God's choice. When we begin to take ownership over that somehow in our lives, we're robbing God of his glory. God made that decision. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you're going to see this in your, in your life group study for next week, that even our good works, even the works that we have within us, our process of sanctification, the good works that come about as a result of that, come about as a result of God's sovereign, good, merciful will in our lives. He's doing that. 1 Corinthians asks us, what do you have that you were not given? Do you understand that when we think about our salvation, it is all a gift from the Lord. All these things come from Jesus. And when we begin to acknowledge God's sovereignty over all the world and over ourselves, we open the door to be useful in God's kingdom. The other thing that happens is that when we acknowledge God's sovereignty, watch this, you refuse to give pride a foothold in your life. You refuse to give pride a foothold in your life. I read about this recently, that uh, as, as, as you think about sin, sinful actions or sinful decisions, there are many sinful things around the world and throughout history that you could even find like a support group for. You could gather people together. 
You might have a gang of murderous cutthroats and thieves and they all get together and they enjoy a meal occasionally because they, they are, they're, uh, uh, they're united by their decision to be murderous cutthroats and thieves maybe. You might have uh, a group of people who, 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 who um, embezzle money and they get together and they, they talk about their, their, their love and their joy of embezzlement. Okay? You might even have like a group of gluttons that get together and talk about their love of overeating. You might have a group of, of, of fornicators who get together and talk about that or even worse, right? But you know what you don't have? You don't have a group of prideful people that regularly gather together and spend time with one another. Why? Because they're prideful. You can't get them together in a group because they're too busy competing with everybody else around them. They're too busy putting others down or trying to step on whoever they can to get to the top. Pride is so dangerous. It was pride, potentially, that led Adam and Eve to rise up in rebellion against the Lord in the Garden of Eden. It was, it was pride, potentially, that caused them to look and say, I want to be God. Y'all, if we're going to be usable in God's kingdom, if we're going to be open to God's divine appointments, we've got to refuse to give pride a foothold in our lives. How do we do that? Well, we begin by giving God glory in all these sovereign things, right? Do you know that God didn't look down at Craig Thompson and go, man, I think he could be grateful or really useful in my kingdom, so I will save him today because of all the good things that Craig has in his life. No, 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 I promise you that's not the case. The Bible says I was dead in my sins and transgression, that God looked down at me in my hopeless estate and extended to me the opportunity and the hope of salvation because of his grace and his mercy. I didn't do anything to earn it. He may have looked down at Craig Thompson and said, I can turn him into something, but he didn't look down at Craig Thompson and say, there's something there that I need. He doesn't need me. God's sovereignty says that he is in total control, that he has need of nothing from anyone or anything. He is completely sovereign. So even in our salvation, when we refuse to give pride a foothold in our life, we begin by not taking responsibility for our salvation. We do. We begin by being careful about our attitudes. You know, one of the dangerous things that would cause us to be, that we should be concerned about is when we find ourselves saying things like, I did that. All on my own, look what I accomplished. You know, nobody pulls themselves up by their own bootstraps. Everybody has need of others around them. Even if you might be the hardest working human on planet Earth, you still needed to make a relationship here or a business connection there. You needed something to go right just so that you could have the opportunity to be successful in your life. Do you know that even if you did it all on your own, you know what you didn't do on your own? You didn't make sure that you maintained your health long enough for you to enjoy that success. Do you understand that there's nothing we have that was not ultimately given to us by the Lord? We've got to cut our pride out from under us. We've got to be careful with our vocabulary we have to be careful with our heart attitude. We've got to be careful with our relationships. Because we tend to want to rise up and take control, take responsibility. We want to be like this tribune that says, I paid for this with a great sum of money. But folks, we need to be a lot more like Paul. that says, I didn't do anything but get born. The Lord sort of took care of everything else. Folks, we shouldn't be like that just because we're trying to fight against pride. We should be like that because it's the truth of God's Word. And it's only our pride that causes us to rebel against that Word. Get over yourself. Acknowledge God's sovereignty. 
And then third and finally this morning, be strong and courageous. Do you know that no one needs courage when life is easy? No one needs courage when life is easy. Man, if everything's going along just fine, I, I, I don't need you. I don't need anybody to encourage me or to walk alongside me. It was, it was because Joshua was walking into the promised land, leading this ragtag band of Israelites that had been delivered from Egypt and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. It was because Moses had died. It was because Joshua had been given the mantle of leadership that he needed desperately to hear from the Lord, be strong and courageous. Because he was embarking on something that was terrifying and hard. He was doing something that was challenging and that had never been done before. He needed to be encouraged. Now watch. We're going to jump all the way to verse 20, chapter 23, verse 11. And watch this. Now, let me set the stage for you. Paul doesn't get flogged, but he's thrown back into the barracks. And he's brought out the next day, and they have like another trial. And in the middle of this trial, they're, they're asking Paul all sorts of questions, right? And, and Paul is, is just sort of defending himself. And uh, the thing turns into sort of a melee because Paul recognizes that uh, he can create a wedge in the council there. So the high priest is there. you got Pharisees and Sadducees. And, and Paul says, ah, let me, this, I'm just here because of the resurrection. And the Sadducees go, oh, there's no resurrection. The Pharisees say there is a resurrection. Well, they start fighting among themselves. They can't figure out what they want to do with Paul. So they throw him back into the barracks. To a jail cell, as it were. And there he is in that place. The Bible says in verse 11, The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Why did Paul need to be told to have courage? Do you understand? Paul was in Jerusalem with a full understanding that Jerusalem could be the end for him. Paul knew that the only thing that laid ahead for him in Jerusalem was chains of some sort. Paul knew that when he got to Jerusalem, it could cost him his life. And here is Paul, robbed of his freedom, robbed of his ability to control his future. And Paul is thrown into prison. And the Lord visits with Paul in that place and he says to him, Be courageous. Take courage. Take courage. He says, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. Why could Paul be courageous even in the middle of really hard things? You ready? Because he had seen the Lord be faithful before. The middle of the storm is no time to stake your tent. We've got to be driving the tent spikes of our faith in deep. When life is easy, we've got to be doing all we can when life is good to build our faith, to grow in Christ, so that when the hard days come, there's something to hold us firm. But you notice what I just did there, right? I said, we, 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 but what's the truth of the matter? It's the Lord that's sinking those roots deeply. That as we give ourselves more and more to Him, in the good days of life, in the easier days of life, that he's building that relationship and he's building our faith. And we're seeing the faithfulness of the Lord that gives us, gives us the courage to trust him in the hard days. So take courage. 
Be strong and courageous. Because when life is hard, you need God's promises so much. And because Paul had seen the Lord be faithful in few things, he'd seen the Lord be faithful maybe in some smaller things. He was confident that the Lord would be faithful in the big things, in the hard things. And when the Lord said to Paul, you're going to go to Rome, Paul knew in that moment that he was going to get there. Because he trusted in God's word. Be strong and courageous. Find strength and courage in the presence of God. Now look. Everybody says, well, if the Lord had visited and spoke to me in that place, I think I would have found courage as well. Folks, do you understand that any time you take up this word, that the Lord is speaking His words of encouragement and promise to you? It's in these words that He promises that He will never leave us nor forsake us. It's in these words that He promises to go ahead of us into the difficult days. We can find strength and courage in the presence of God. Not only, well, let's two reasons. First of all, we can find strength and courage because He's been in the hard places. He's already gone to Calvary. He's already been to the grave. He's already overcome death, hell, sin, and the grave. And He did it for you. He's been the places you're not going to go so that you could be the places you don't deserve to be. You can be confident this morning. You can take courage in His presence knowing that He's been ahead of you. But watch this. You can also find courage knowing that He walks with you in those places. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for Thou art with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me in the presence of my enemies. Man. This is the God that we serve. A God who doesn't send us to places to figure it out on our own, but a God who goes ahead of us and then walks with us in those places. What are your divine appointments? Some of you have been so busy chasing success that you've forgotten about significance. Some of you have been so busy keeping up with the Joneses that you've forgotten that perhaps your role is not to keep up with them, but to evangelize them, to reach them. Some of you have been so busy controlling your life that you've stopped allowing the Lord to control your life. Some of you have been so busy controlling your children that you've stopped asking what the Lord would have of you and your children. What is your divine appointment? Some of you have no idea because you've not taken the time to allow the Lord to speak and to guide and to control. You've been so busy focused on who you are and what you're going to do that you've forgotten that perhaps the Lord may have for you a different plan, a different appointment, a different opportunity. This morning, as we gather and as we sing, in just a minute as we stand, as you think about your divine appointment, for some of you, that divine appointment is today because you don't have a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ.
And the divine appointment for you is this. You showed up knowing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And today, you need that relationship. Some of you didn't show up expecting that to happen. Maybe you showed up here today just expecting to have a good time, send your kid off to worship or whatever it might be. And instead, when you walked in, God had a different plan for you. You sat down expecting everything to just be normal. Instead, it's been anything but as the Holy Spirit has worked in your life this morning. If you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit is working in your life, I would love the opportunity to introduce you to Jesus Christ as your Savior. But for others of you today, For others of you, you recognize that you've missed out on your divine appointments because you've been too busy keeping your own appointments. You've missed out on your divine appointments because you've been too busy chasing all the other things. Some of you, some of you today need to pray right where you are and pray, Lord, help me to focus more on significance in the world around me and the success of my own life. Some of you need to repent today because you've been working diligently to control your children's lives in accordance with your plan for them. Whatever that plan may be. But you've worked so hard to control them to arrive at the ends that you desire for them that you've never stopped to consider, Lord, what would you have for my children? Now look, God may have a different plan. What if God's plan is for your children to become international missionaries? Are you ready? Are you ready to let them go? Are you? Oh, as parents, we can even cling to our children in the name of Jesus so hard that we stop allowing Jesus to control our children. Perhaps this morning... Perhaps this morning, you just recognize that you've worked so hard to control your own life that you've not made time for the Lord to take control. You've not had the courage to trust Him. You've not had the faith. And perhaps there's some of you today that just says, I have been prideful. Lord God, today I need to give you the glory. Whatever it is and however it is the Lord's working in your life. You may want to pray that prayer right in your seat. You might like to come and pray around this altar as we sing. However the Lord is at work, I just pray that you would be obedient. Stand with me as I pray for us. Father God, I thank you for loving us. Thank you for this word that never, ever fails. I pray that in spite of a sinful and weak preacher, that the word of God would be powerful and pure. Father God, I pray that you would give us an openness. Allow us to be open for your divine appointments, even when they don't fit our agendas. In Jesus' name, amen.